This episode is sponsored by Patricia Asp of Aspire. Does your company culture have what it takes to last? After the upheaval of the pandemic, many companies and organizations are struggling to adapt to new regulations, new workflows, and new workplace culture. After witnessing the dramatic weakening in the core values of great companies during mergers, acquisitions, and rapid growth, Patricia Asp, a forward board member and principal, launched Aspire, an organization founded to preserve the goodness in companies by hardwiring culture for sustainability. If you're interested in conducting a culture sustainability assessment, go to patriciaasp.com slash contact dash us. Make 2023 the year your company soars. Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. In our last episode, you met Tracy Newell, sales leadership expert and former executive of many notable organizations. We spent the previous episode talking about the basics of being a woman of influence, and we touched on why women might be a little hesitant to become more of an influence in their workplaces. In this episode, Tracy and I dive into what good and genuine influence is actually all about, how to take on the role of being an influence without neglecting the other parts of your life, hello, work-life balance, and Tracy shares about the mentors and influences in her life that made her career possible. Let's jump back into our conversation with Tracy. So Tracy, let's cut right to the question that I'm sure is on everybody's mind right now. How do you influence? So again, let's go back to what influence is all about. It's about trying, in my view, my definition is how do you help people? How do you inspire people? How do you coach, provide direction to help them do greater things? That That's, that's how I think about influence and why it matters so much because we can help other people to do more. And that, that always provides a win, you know, whether it's for the people, whether it's for an organization, a company, what have you. And so to me, influencing is about picking a common goal. It's not about altruism at all. It's, um, how, what is something that you personally want? And, and if you can't think of something that you personally want, I, I would encourage you to think about that. Again, personally, professionally, spiritually, what do you want? And then how do you bring other people into your circle to help you achieve that? I, you know, as it relates to the workforce, I can promise you with 100% certainty that every manager and every vice president and every senior vice president has a list of 10 or 20 things that they desperately want to achieve. And they can't do it all by themselves. Mm -hmm. So professionally, if you want to contribute more, and I'm not saying you have to get promoted, maybe you just want to help your company more because you really enjoy what you do. Um, You could call up your manager or maybe even your manager's manager and say, hey, I'm really trying to do more for the company. Do you have one or two projects that you'd like my help on? Well, sure. I'd like your help on... Again, I always think about software and driving more pipeline. Oh, okay, great. So who are some of the people I should include in this group? And what would you like to achieve 
well, I'd like to achieve twice the outcome we have today. Okay, great. Well, let's get a marketing person, a salesperson, a manager, a VP. Let's create a cross-functional team and get working on this for six weeks. Can I come back in six weeks and we're going to present some ideas to you? I guarantee you that vice president is going to say, yes, please. Can you please do that? And guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? Not only are you solving a problem that helps you because it needs to be, it's not altruism. It needs to help you and whatever your job is. If you're in finance, what's driving you crazy in finance? If you're an engineer, what are the processes that are absolutely slowing you down that you want to knock out? So it needs to be, it needs to help you in your job, but you're also helping a couple of people, a couple levels above you to solve a serious problem for the company. Mm-hmm. And, and that's influencing. It's, it's very much, you know, putting yourself in a leadership role. Um, and I think it's, it's so important for all of us to do that because that's what drives great outcomes. And I feel like there's this very, very, very fine line <laughs> of being an influence or, or seeking to be an influence and like you said earlier, you know, making sure that it's about helping others be great versus you are doing all this work to be an influence because you want to get ahead. You know, yeah, it's a great you know. point. <laughs> it's a great point. And we've all seen that movie, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, I, I've struggled with this where, you know, as a leader of, of, of leaders, you know, I would, you know, find some really smart, you know, first line or second line manager and go, I have this problem. I want you to go fix it. And and they often would say back to me, gosh, Tracy, I don't want to be that person that's I'm managing up. They would say, I'd go, you don't understand. Like, I don't think of it as managing up. I, you know, maybe your peers do. I'm not worried about those people. We have a problem that is X. And if you can help bring a cross-functional group together and solve that, I can scale that throughout the whole company and the whole co- you're going to affect the whole company in it being more successful. And so, um, but you're right, Jordan, the key is the best leaders, the best influencers take, they take zero credit for anything that they do. Yeah. And it's never lost on anybody who the facilitators and the influencers are who get those great outcomes and bring the best out of people, but they always give the credit away. And then the credit always comes back to you you know, 10, tenfold, a hundredfold. Yeah. Um, and the risk you run is you become the main person that folks are coming to. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Do you have to be at a certain point in your career or maybe be in a certain position to qualify as an influencer? Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. I, I, again, I think that confuses people too. Yeah. I, you know, I've been encouraging people to influence and lead, you know, for, more years than I care to count. And, and a lot of folks would raise their hand and go, but you know, I, I'm an, you know, I'm an individual contributor. I'm not managing people and I don't want to manage people. Mm. And, and my answer always is God bless you. Like, thank <laughs> you. I'm so glad, you know, cause we, you know, companies and organizations need all kinds of people at all different levels. And yet I think the folks that are, you know, individual contributors, you actually know what's wrong with the company more so than the people two or three levels up. And I, early in my career, I took a job. I wanted to be a people manager. I was 26 years old. I was working for AT&T and the people managers were all 40 years old, right? They didn't know what to do with me. So they actually said, would you go manage the accounts receivable team? Cause we have the worst 
um, average days outstanding in the company. And I was 26. I didn't know what that meant. So I said, sure. Um, so I'm managing 20, um, people that were, uh, in a union. So they'd been with the company, they'd been with at t longer than I'd been alive. They were all 25 year plus veterans. <laughs> and we had this huge problem. I took a 50% pay cut to take that job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's the best job I ever took because I didn't know how to do that job. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know how to use the systems. And so I had to rely on the people to just just talk through what is not working. What are the processes we should change? What are the strategies that aren't working that we should change? And we turned the thing around in a year. I mean, I got it was one of my favorite awards. They that team nominated me for a president's award uh, at 26 years old. Um, So no, you do not have to be a senior vice president or a president uh, or a manager to change an outcome of again, your church, your job, your nonprofit that you're trying to help out, everybody can make a huge difference. Well, and I feel like trying to be a woman of influence uh, and the risk of duking it out with imposter syndrome, which, you know, you fessed up to a little bit at the end of the last episode, those two journeys or experiences, I guess, go hand in hand. I mean, it's going to happen. You are going to want to be an influence, but then you're going to come up against that lovely imposter syndrome. So how should someone get through that battle unscathed? So I actually believe that this is the biggest reason we don't have more women in leadership is this idea of I'm not capable. And I I actually think it's greater than that. I I think we are the best storytellers in our own head and and the planet. And not to say that men don't do this a little bit. Women do it more. And Mm -hmm. the example I'll give you is I was... I was probably in my early thirties again and, and, uh, a big company and my boss said, Hey, Chase, I put you up for a VP promotion. And what did I say? I said, Oh no, 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 I'm good. I don't want that role. And being a VP at this company was like a huge deal. It was really hard to get those jobs. And he, he said, you know, Chase, if you get serious about your career, you could really do something. And, mm-hmm. and I, when I tell that story in a live environment, the women all go, oh, he said that to you. And I go, actually, no, he was being my friend because he was saying, what is your problem? Well, why was I not saying, that's awesome. I want that job. Yeah. Well, again, I had, I had two kids under five and I know lots of people listening don't have kids yet, uh, but maybe you're taking care of elderly parents. Maybe you have all kinds of other things outside of work that are, you know, causing, you know, angst and taking time. Um, it's the same issue. And, and in my head, if I took a VP job, I was going to travel 80% of my time and I was never going to see my family again. And, and there is no job description, Jordan, that I've ever seen that says, Hey, here's a VP job, 80% of travel and you will never see your family again. Like those, <laughs> it's not, I made that up, you know? Yeah. And so I, I finally took the job and guess what? It wasn't that bad. Yeah. I, I, I didn't travel all the time and I, you know, still talk to my girls, at least every day, you know? And so, you know, I, being a bit less risk, being a lot less risk adverse would be advice that I give to women all the time. And just, you know, take the chance. If you, if you are even curious about a leadership role, start talking about it and start trying that on a bit. You can always go back to the job you were in before. If you followed forward, for any amount of time, uh, you will know that 
something that we are more than willing to jump into as far as like a conversation or, you know, just really helping our, our women and our audience weed through and figure out is this idea of work-life balance, or sometimes we've called it work-life integration. And I feel like when you're trying to be an influence, you know, you, you probably will be taking on more responsibilities, more tasks, you know, more, more mental capacity will be needed. So if you're influencing others, you're making waves in your professional life. How do you make sure, like you, like you mentioned was your fear with the VP job, how do you make sure that you aren't neglecting the other parts of your life? Yeah. So this is the question that I get most often. I've done a lot of work, work, as you would expect. And in technology, there's not a lot of women and leaders, not because the technology companies don't want that. It's because they're engineering companies and there's not a lot of women in STEM. And so, you know, I spent a, a large percentage of my career helping to encourage women to go into more influential and leadership roles. Um, and you know, what I would say is this idea of work-life balance. It, it really is a balance. There's sometimes when work takes a hundred percent and there's sometimes when uh, life takes a hundred percent, you got to kind of balance those out. Uh, and, and I would say my, my second, but make sure there is a balance. That's my key message in that. Like there mm-hmm. are times when life takes a hundred percent and you got to make sure that yeah. you do what you need to do for, you know, the people in your life that matter the most and, and give yourself permission to do that. Uh, you know, I, I tell a story of, um, it took me a long time to figure out that I would say, Hey, I have to leave at three today. Cause I'm taking my you know, daughter to the doctor and she's really sick and da, 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 da. And the guy sitting next to me would say, Hey, I have a hard stop at three. I have another meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. What was he doing? He's going <laughs> to the baseball game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so balance your work-life balance. Cause it's important. You'll be a better employee and, and more successful personally and professionally. That my second piece of advice is be comfortable with your choices. And again, one of my personal experiences, I, I was in Arizona and uh, I was working for a gentleman who ran, you know, a $20 billion company. So a $20 billion piece of a big company. Mm-hmm. And his his commercial his comms person was next to me and we were talking and I said, how are you doing, Allison? She said, I miss Max. And I said, oh my gosh, that's so hard. Well, Max is five and she's sad because she feels really bad that she's not with her son. And my boss and her boss was eavesdropping. And he said, I don't understand. What's the problem? And I said, you you don't understand because you're a man. Like we have this problem. We want to be perfect here. We want to be perfect at work. And and he said, I don't get it. I have four kids, three are women. Um, They're all going to have to work. And I'm being a great role model. I'm providing a great life. If I wasn't doing what I was doing, what, how would they exist? Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, this went on and on and on. And I kind of paused and I really thought about that for a couple of days. And it came to me, he was choosing not to feel guilty. Yeah. He was, he was making a conscious choice to be comfortable with his choices. And so that kind of struck with me. So fast forward, a week later, not literally a week later, my five-year-old's in the back of the car and I'm driving her to school, which I didn't do all that often. And she says, mom, how come you don't come to kindergarten and make the brownies and read the stories and correct the math homework? And normally I would have been crushed. And I, I, I kind of hesitated. And I said, you know what, kid, there's, there's two kinds of moms. There's one that work inside the house and one that works outside the house. And they're both really important. And 
And I work outside of the house and I really like my job and I'm good at my job and I enjoy it. And because of this job, we have, we get to live in the house that we live in. We get to have, go on vacations that we get to go on. And so she got real quiet and we kind of moved on. And two days later, she's in the backseat of the car with two little five-year-olds. And she, I listened to her and she says, my mom's got a really big job and she's really good at it. And she gets to do this and she gets to do that. And I started laughing. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm torturing myself. <laughs> and all that we have to do is be comfortable with our choices because our, our, the people around us feel that yeah. and they mirror it back to us. So stop torturing ourselves, you know, like just pick a direction and go for it, yeah. but be present when it matters mm-hmm. and make sure that you are present and balanced for the people and the things that you care about. I mean, it's perspective, right? You know, I mean, it, it's it's giving yourself permission because for some reason, women feel like we have to do that. We have to give ourselves permission to do things. And, you know, just let yourself be proud of yourself. You know, I mean, if you've accomplished something, there's a way to be proud of yourself without being, you know, overly, you know, boasting. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've I had a similar conversation with my son you know, a few weeks ago. And, you know, he's like, mom, why do you always have phone calls? Why do you always have to go, you know, record something? Why do you, you know, and he's like listing off all these things that like to him seem like this horrible thing. And I go, well, you know, do you like the house that we live in? <laughs> do, you, do you like being able to, you know, have toys? Do you, you know, and pro- I probably made it a little bit more dire than I needed to, but, it, you know, he just kind of answered yes to all those. I said, well, buddy, you know, you have to, you have to work to be able to afford that and make money. And I said, you know, and I, I like recording stuff and I like writing things for people. And, you know, I like doing all of that. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, okay. So you have fun with it. I said, yeah. And then like all of a sudden it was fine to him that I was doing all of that. And so, yeah, I I relate to what you said. You do kind of just have to be honest, you know, and, and be, upfront about what you want to do, need to do, and, you know, it'll all work out. Well, and you're also including him in what you do. And I, yeah. I don't know if, if you're, you know, everybody's listening, if your companies do bring your kids to work day, if they don't, I would ask your manager and the vice president and whoever else, why don't we do it and do something yeah. locally. But the more the kids know what you do and that you're excited about what you do, uh, then they're more accepting also. Uh, but I, I do think Women and guilt, those two words go, wait, mm-hmm. they go together too often and we need to stop that. We need yeah. to be comfortable with the decisions that we're making and make sure that our kids know that we're comfortable with that as well. Should you go on this journey toward being a woman of influence alone or does it help to have others included? Yeah, there, there's no chance. I, I mean, if you would have told me at 20 years old, I'd be leading a company. I would have said, you're crazy. Like no one in my, my family had ever done that. And uh, the only reason I was able to do that is because I had amazing mentors and friends and advisors and peers that helped me along the way through the good times and especially in the the tougher situations. So, you know, I, I would say if you don't have a mentor, get one. It's really important. And you'll need different mentors along the way uh, because your circumstances will change and and the advice that you need will change. And uh, I would also encourage everyone on this call 
not just to f- make sure you have a couple of mentors throughout your career, but also to be one. Cause I've learned women need help. You know, they need encouragement. You know, the number, number of times, at least a handful of times, somebody, uh, you know, some, a lot of times it was, a, I had male mentors because let's be real, 80% of the executives are men. So if you only want to work with women, you're not balancing it out. And the, yeah. the, the men are from Mars. Women are from Venus is true. You know, professionally as well. So having a male mentor, I think, was really important for me. Mm-hmm. But a couple of times, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, "You can do more." And and if they hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have known that I could. And, and so I tried to spend my whole career finding those people to say, "You can do more too." And it's amazing how humble people are, men and women. Until until somebody tells you that, you may not know it. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's really important. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and like I said earlier, we like talking about work-life balance and we obviously like at forward, we like talking about mentoring and the mentor program that we have. And, you know, that has been just one of the the biggest sources of just incredible stories for us because, you know, it's, it's honestly, when it comes down to it, it's something simple, you know, it's somebody giving of their time and of their experience and honestly the resource of their time too. And, pouring into somebody who is at the other end of the journey that maybe they've already gone on and it's being able to re-sew what somebody sewed in them sometimes. And that's an influence, you know, I mean, that that is a way to be an influence. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier too, you know, especially in the field of technology and engineering, there's just not that many people or not people, but there's not that many women that are in that. And, you know, I mean, we, we at Forward, we have a, a STEM special group that has been formed and it's to, you know, allow these select few women who are in that field to realize like, oh, wow, there's other people like me who are also doing this job. And, you know, they get to, they get to come together and, and share what they're going through and kind of get like, almost like, I feel like a group mentoring type situation. And, you know, there's just, those are just some examples. I think, you know, as I try to wrap my head around, you know, what does it mean to be a woman of influence? I mean, those are some ways to do it and they're not overly difficult ways either. A hundred percent. So again, think about every, hopefully everyone on this call has had a great coach, maybe a great parent, maybe a great manager who helped you to do something you didn't know that you could do to achieve, you know, to reach a little bit higher gosh, that's influence. That's, you just change somebody's life if you can do that for one person. And and that will help impact their family. That will impact their family's family. I mean, it's, it's a, you can have huge impact. Um, so yeah. And, and I, I love what you said about mentoring too. So um, take advantage to the program in forward for mentors. Cause I think people get too overwhelmed. You know, if somebody comes to you and says, will you be my mentor? You know, you're thinking, gosh, I have so much doing. I, I don't know if I have time, but if somebody said, Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? You know, can I, we spend 20 minutes on a zoom. Yeah. You're probably going to be open to that. And, and then very tactically, I always tell people, you know, get your mentors to be like one step above or two steps above what you want. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, we had a senior vice president at one of the big companies I was at and he said, don't, you know, if you're a individual contributor, you don't want me as a mentor. Cause I might get you fired because I, I can get away with things, you know, cause I report to the CEO, <laughs> you know, so you don't want to go like too high. You right. want to get like one or two levels above and, and 
just get to know that person and see maybe you can help them somehow too. Well, as we wrap up, uh, and I, whenever I ask this question, I get mixed mixed uh, responses because usually people are like, oh my word, how can I do that? But I have a feeling you'll be able to do this pretty well. So what is one thought or piece of advice that you want our listeners to remember most from everything we've talked about the last couple episodes? Yeah, so that that that's pretty easy, Jordan. I have spent a career studying people and the power of human potential. And what I've learned is that most people do get what they want in life, but they sell themselves too short. And and what I mean by that is they set short-term goals. You know, I I want a new refrigerator, they get the new refrigerator. I want a new car, I get the new car. Maybe I want a, a new apartment or a new house and I get that. I, I would encourage everyone to be bold that's listening to this call and to think bigger five years, 10 years from now. If all your dreams aligned, what do you want to achieve personally, professionally, spiritually? And that's a big, big question. And, and once you really spend some time talking to people that you trust in your inner circle, you know, does that goal seem realistic? Then then to start taking baby steps that give you the option of having that goal. And professionally, we need more women leaders. It, we just do. And so I would encourage everyone that if you're even just a little bit open to taking that next manager job, the VP job, why can't you run a company? Uh, I promise you no one that's running a company today, there's very few that thought they could do that when they were 15 or 20 or 25 years old, but they, they took baby steps, but they had the big plan and then they did the work. So I would encourage you all to be bold, uh, dream big and, and go after those dreams. What was your biggest takeaway from Tracy's insights over the past two episodes? Let us know by leaving a review on your preferred listening platform or leave a comment when we share this episode on Forward Social Media. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave a review. Your review will help more people discover Work, Love, Pray, so your feedback is greatly appreciated. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.